Welcome back to Rethinking Politics. We're glad to have you with us here for episode 66. And I hope you guys are having a good a good a week as I am. And hopefully you're having a good week, Dan. I probably yeah. should have asked before we started recording. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, it's, it's, a, it's a good week to be alive. Not for any political reasons. I'm just having a good time. <laughs> as opposed to some other weeks, apparently. Hey, some weeks, man. Some weeks. Everyone knows this. <laughs> but anyways, today we wanted to talk about kind of a follow-up episode on the whole Kyle Rittenhouse case. You know, we finally got a ruling. He's been uh, acquitted. He's been found not guilty on all charges. And the whole thing is wrapped up in a nice little bow for for everyone. And now everyone, of course, who has already made up their minds about, what is it, a year ago? about what happened, you know, a little bit longer mm-hmm. than that, are are vindicated in the fact that they were right or vindicated in the fact that the entire system is broken, which was the only reason that their side didn't win. And here we are. It's a beautiful world. I know of exactly one person in the political world who changed their minds of any significance. You know, you know, it's funny, Dan, because, you know, we've talked about this before, but, you know, you listen to people and you kind of know you know what they're going to say based off of which side they're on, you know. Uh, you listen to, to Ben Shapiro talk about it, and Ben Shapiro says it's a travesty of justice or something like that, that Kyle Rittenhouse was ever even brought to trial. That the fact that there was even a trial is a right. disgrace. Right, because of the lack of evidence. Because of the lack of evidence. And then you listen to, uh, you know, and then you got like Tucker Carlson talking about how Kyle Rittenhouse is is, you know, this national hero. And then you've got on the other side, you've got uh, Dan shared an episode of the Young Turks <laughs> podcast where a uh, very passionate man was was going on about how now that this case is resolved, there's a open season on any any white I don't know if he says white men but basically anyone any anyone with a with a gun is welcome to go around and hunt whoever they'd like and it's no problem you know and that's what this case is all about and has proven <laughs> is that you can just hunt and kill whatever you like and you've got both these sides and 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 it's and you're and you're used to hearing both of these sides so it was interesting because I was listening to a to Barry Weiss's podcast episode talking about the Kyle Rittenhouse case. And she was talking about the media coverage and how inaccurate the media coverage has been, all of the many facts that they got wrong on a regular basis, just just very simple facts that could have been easily checked and have been known for a while that they never checked. And she was talking about it and about how, you know, in terms of the law that Kyle Rittenhouse was, you know, is probably is probably innocent, you know, in terms of the law and all of this stuff. And this is before the, the verdict was out. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then, then I was waiting for her to say, you know, and this is a great thing and, and blah, 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 like everyone else has been saying. And then, and she's like, you know, gun laws probably need to be changed. Like, I don't think he should have been open carrying. I don't think people should open carry. He definitely shouldn't have been there, but neither should the, should the rioters. And I was, I was thrown for a loop because for a second, I forgot that Barry Weiss wasn't conservative because I was so used to everyone following these party lines as they're talking about the case. You know, I was waiting for her to talk about how Kyle Rittenhouse is a hero instead of saying clearly there are a whole bunch of problems here. And it was so refreshing for me. 
to remember that there are still people who aren't just having a party battle, but are actually looking at what's going on and making, you know, reasoned deductions from it and having independent thoughts. It was right. It was a nice moment for me. Right. It's it's refreshing, isn't it? The one person who I mentioned who changed their mind that I'm aware of, uh, uh, and Barry Weiss might have as well. I don't remember what she said in, about her own views on it, but Anna Kasparian, who is part of the Young Turks, was the one who publicly did a video that I now can't find of about 20 minutes explaining how she had, she had had, she did have some of the facts wrong, looked at the facts over the course of the case, changed her mind, thought, yeah, this guy is going to be exonerated on self-defense. And mm-hmm. she has problems with some of the other things around it, like mm-hmm. Barry Weiss does. Um, and I feel like I, I need to explain why I'm watching an episode of Young Turks. Because <laughs> we listen to people from all kinds of places who are acting in good faith arguments. You know, they're explaining what they think. They're, they're trying to reason through it and work through it. And we're fine with that regardless of which perspective they're coming from. Mm-hmm. The dude that you're referencing yeah, you're in Young Turks, whose name? Young Turks. <laughs> no, at least not from that guy. I don't know. I don't even know his name, but he's the. I think he's like the main dude there, and he is out of control in the worst way. It was. It was kind of inspiring in some sense. I kept listening because it was just almost hypnotic the way he would make these conclusions that aren't supported by his evidence, almost jokingly, and then build on them as if they were serious conclusions mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to arrive at true absurdities like. Like passionately declaring that all Republicans want to do is go around and hunt people and kill people when they feel like it. Yeah. And like not yeah, making those no, conclusions yeah, in a, as a joke. Yeah. He talks about how all Republicans are just bloodthirsty, that all they want mm-hmm. is murder. And at a certain point, he's almost screaming this right. in the it, podcast. <laughs> and it, it's, it's mind boggling because I, I, cause I, I'm, I'm so confused. I'm like, is he serious? Is that really what he thinks? Like, where. At what point did he reach this level of disconnect with the world around him? Right, right. He's what it looks like if, uh, presumably, he believes what he says. Maybe not. Um, like he, he's There's got to be some disconnect between it. Because he's, as he's speaking, he's working himself into this kind of frenzy. But he is absolutely convinced, or trying to convince others at least, mm-hmm. that every Republican is a bloodthirsty racist. And that like, I, I just want to, I would love to have a conversation and be like, let's, let's pretend you're right. What do you do? <laughs> right? Like, where do we go from here? What's the solution? Like, no, and the solution is suggesting that most, that a significant portion need, of the country is pure evil. You need to use the state to stop these people from destroying the world, right? Right. Right. Anyway. So thus it is. You mentioned some of the facts were changed, Brad, and uh, not <laughs> changed. <laughs> you mentioned... <laughs> You mentioned what that some of the facts. Like. That's <laughs> what it feels like. So it is what it feels like. So, yeah, so, so like- originally, originally, what happened is 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 Kyle was sitting at home, and he's like, "I want to go kill some people." And his mom says, "Well, okay, sweetie, here's what we're gonna do. <laughs> you hop in the minivan. Don't forget to load your AR-15, but you know, put it in the back seat. Grab grab your gun, and let's let's." She pulls up a Google map and looks up some news articles and sees, oh, there's a real nice protest and riot going on in Kenosha. How does that sound? She says, that's ah, not bad. It's what, you know, six, 12-hour drive, no problem. Yeah, across state lines. Across state lines, you know, but it's clearly, a f- it's pretty far away. So, so, so I'll drive you there and then, you know, after you're done killing, I'll pick you up and we can head home. 
<laughs> um, just don't forget your uh, trigger safety. And and that's what happens, right? And then she drops him off, you know, next to one of the fires, and, and he goes out and takes care of business. That's how the media has portrayed what has happened, right? And obviously, I'm uh-huh. speaking hyperbolically, but... But you the get just because yeah. they're, it's not that far off. They strongly imply that that's the kind of thing that's happening. You know, yeah, I mean, he's traveled from far away looking for an excuse to use his gun. Yeah, and then and and for the longest time, I I believe that at least the gist of that was correct. That he did travel a long yeah. way because he saw in the news that there was this protest and he wanted to do something about it. Well, it turns out that Kyle technically crossed state lines traveling from nearby because number one his dad who you know his family separated his dad lives in kenosha number two he has a part-time job in kenosha number three he only lives a matter of miles away from kenosha if you look at it kenosha is not that far away from chicago and they're all part of the same city blob as it were that's a technical term you can look it up and and so it's not like he's even changing cities this is all part of one general area where people live and he's traveling from one part of it where he lives to the other part of it where he has friends has a job has has family in other words also lives you know right this was this is a beautiful moment in the prosecution when the prosecutor said what are you doing yeah like why are you even there why are you here and he said this is my community He's like, he says, it's not your community. You don't live here. I work here. My dad lives here. I have friends here. Like what you're saying, like all Mm -hmm. those things Mm -hmm. like, oh, oh, and this actually is a part of the town that he lives in. Just, you know, you you extend it a few miles. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is a part of his community. It'd be more of a part of his community than if you lived in far, you know, you could live much further away in Chicago, but still be connected and it'd be part of, depending on what you mean by community. Community, yeah. But yeah, he did not travel far. He traveled a few miles, and and he and, and he uh, never and he and he didn't carry the rifle across state lines. Right, that's that a, was that's also a not huge. True. That's a huge inaccuracy, you know. Because the other one is implication, but all of the articles, you know, talked about how he yeah. he brought this rifle across state lines to go hunt people, and that's not what happened. The rifle was already in Kenosha, because right. that's that's part of where he lived, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and the state line, as you were saying, the state line is sister cities with a border that passes through them. It's not even like he went to a different state. Like that's not how you'd think of it. You'd mm-hmm. think you'd, you'd think of it as going across going town. Going across town, yeah, exactly. That's what I was saying with the city blob. Is there's there's it's not even sister cities where you travel a few miles where there's nothing. No, there's no point where there isn't a city here. You right. know, it's all it's all you know peopleified. I'm trying right. to come up with as technical terms as possible. So people if I more city blob. Word, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy the, to use them. Yeah, colloquially, we speak of these things as the same city. Like I mm-hmm. tell people I live in the Dallas. Yeah, area. and I tell and people I, I live area. In, to, I tell people I live in Salt Lake, but technically, I live in a a city that's a few miles down the way. But I work right, in like, Salt Lake. I travel to Salt Lake on a regular basis. It's my community. If I was there, I shouldn't have to explain why I was there. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't make any sense. Yeah, so with these, I mean, these are some of the basic facts. None of these are actually even necessarily relevant to the self-defense case at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if he had traveled across the entire country, it wouldn't change the self-defense arguments. It wouldn't, right. 
It wouldn't change any of that. Um, people talk about the state line as if it's some kind of moral line. Mm -hmm. That's what they imply with like, he crossed the state line for this. Oh, <laughs> evil. Uh -huh. I was, as if that, that carries some kind of moral weight that I guess I don't understand at all. Other than that it's meant to imply a great distance. It's meant to mm -hmm. imply a great distance that he mm -hmm. went out of his way for this, and he didn't. Um, yeah, anyway, you mentioned he's exonerated. There have been no riots. Um, there have been some small protests. Ones, yeah. yeah, yeah, some protests. Um, perhaps some small crimes were committed during those, none, none that I've heard of. Um, but there's a variety of other interesting things about this case that we wanted to talk about. Especially since, as you mentioned, people have doubled down on it despite having a lot of the facts wrong. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. One of them is the idea of provocation, and that's and and that's one of the reasons why they pushed the state line argument so hard, is because one of the linchpin arguments against Kyle Rittenhouse is that by being there with a gun when he has no reason to be there. It's provocation in its own right. Yeah, it's evidence of intent that, if read by other people correctly, would be a kind of provocation. Um, that he is there to threaten them. That he mm -hmm. is there to hurt them. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting. Uh, I guess one quick detail worth pointing out before we get too far into provocation is the, the technicality of the the gun charge. A lot of people were saying he there was a gun charge that he should have been convicted of and he wasn't. But he got off on a technicality. I hate that way of framing it because it suggests he was guilty of some kind of crime. Mm -hmm. And then he got out of it because of a favorable judge or some Yeah, which loophole. is which is not what technicality means in this case. Yeah, in this case there was a technicality in the sense that there was a particular qualifying statement within the law that he didn't fall under. But he didn't fall under some kind of exception. No, it's he the, didn't, law, the law was made that way so that minors could carry weapons. Anyone who, yeah. who's, I mean, especially out here in the Western states will be familiar with this because it's a normal practice for, for, for youth, you know, for teenagers, even young teenagers to, to have their, their, you know, their dad will purchase them a gun which their dad's allowed to do, and they're allowed to use that gun mm -hmm. as long as it meets certain requirements. That way they can go and they can train with it, they can go out and they can hunt with it, and things like that. And that's a pretty standard practice, not just in Wisconsin, but in many, many states. Right. Right. And the law that, that they thought he was guilty of violating specifically aimed to restrict a specific category of guns, mm -hmm. guns with shorter barrels. Uh, mm-hmm. Sawed-off shotguns. Uh, I don't know why you would shorten the barrel of a rifle. I'm not that familiar with guns. It's it's because you know if, if the barrel is less than 16 inches, it suddenly becomes super super powerful. It's it's a, it unlocks extra bonus power. <laughs> no, the the original <laughs> argument. Sorry, I I'm being really facetious today, but I'm just this. You know, we're talking about this again, and 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 so many of the arguments are are so ludicrous that it's hard to take them seriously. But and but assault rifles and the arguments against them are are very much in this vein that that there are assault rifles which look like normal assault rifles, right? And they and they are categorized as rifles, and there are very few restrictions on them, right? 
mm-hmm. and then you shorten the barrel by a couple of inches, and now you have a 14-inch barreled rifle that looks almost exactly the same. It's just a tiny bit smaller. And the argument is is that you could con- then conceal that weapon so much easier and and sneak it into places and start killing people with it. And the reality is is that shortening the barrel by a few inches doesn't make that much of a difference in terms of how big it is. But all of a sudden, with that slightly shorter barrel, all the regulations change, and there's all sorts of requirements about what you can and can't do. In fact, and this makes even less sense, once you shorten that barrel, you are no longer allowed to put a stock on that weapon, which then makes the gun even, even smaller. Shorter. Yeah. But it's because if you can't have a stock on it, you can't be as accurate, which makes it less easy to use. Try and make sense of it, I cannot, as Yoda would say. <laughs> it's that's interesting. Okay. It I mean it does make sense in the if, from the point of view of um if your if your goal is to restrict guns because you think as a category guns need to be yeah, restricted. But, but basically and, the, the, the but, but long the actual and short of the law arbitrary. is mm-hmm. that is that what they're talking about with the barrel length is it has to be a regular rifle that's classified as a rifle. It can't be a pistol or some other ATF classification. It has to be a regular rifle, which an AR-15 is a regular rifle. You know, the average AR-15, the AR-15 he had is a regular rifle. So if you were to interpret the law, you'd say something like, the law allows people like Kyle Rittenhouse to carry guns like the AR-15. Now, there is an exception. If the gun is so short, then you can't carry it. But other than that, it's fine. This isn't this isn't a loophole that Kyle Rittenhouse escaped through. This is the general procedure, but there is an exception to it, which mm-hmm. he did not fall under. Mm-hmm. Right? They call it a technicality. They, the, the reason people describe it the way they do in the papers is to make it seem like he managed to to get off. Yeah, to to, to, to barely. To to circumvent he unjustly the law. circumvent yes yeah, yeah that's exactly right it's exactly right and that's not what happened this is what he was doing was legal and if he had been doing it with a different weapon it wouldn't have been legal well and that's also why there was so much media attention on the judge himself because the argument because because if we can prove that the judge you know has a patriotic ringtone that's been associated with Trump supporters. You know, if 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 the judge can make a joke about uh the supply chain that has the word Asian in it, which means that therefore it's a it's a racist joke. And and I I I don't care about the joke. I'm not gonna defend it. But the fact that we're we're nitpicking all these little things is because if if Kyle Rittenhouse gets off, which he did, we want people to think that he got off because the system didn't work the way it was supposed to, that he was able to avoid the just result. You know what I mean? That that mm-hmm. he is guilty, but because, you know, the judge is a Trump supporter, he was always going to favor things for Kyle Rittenhouse, and that's why Kyle got off. Not because he actually was using self-defense the way it was meant to be used in the law and in the system. That the right. system actually worked the way it was supposed to work. Right, right, and and that's in some and that ways goes that's... for Ben Shapiro too. Like, you know, I Ben Shapiro says there was too little evidence, and and Ben Shapiro should know better. And I think he's saying that to get to score political points because he should know better that when 
something serious happens when people die like this is not nothing you know what i mean just mm-hmm. because he was found innocent doesn't mean that what happened wasn't horrible and needs to be looked at very closely and the best way for that to happen is through a trial i don't i don't think it was a problem that he was tried you may disagree with me dan that's fine it it depends i think uh so there's obviously when someone dies uh it should be pursued until it's clear mm-hmm. um does that should the prosecutor prosecute it if there's any gray area at all? Yes. Should that prosecution make it all the way to a jury trial? Often we think of the jury trial mm-hmm. as the as the way that the yeah, prosecution yeah. happens. But no, there's a, there's a there's an enormous process, which is why this took a year to come about or more, um, that leads up to this to the point where you go, okay, a jury's going to have to decide. Should it have gotten to that point? I don't know. I don't know. I think you could make the case that this should have stopped somewhere along the way because there really was no evidence, as far as I can tell, that suggested Kyle Rittenhouse was doing anything other than defending himself. And that's, even if there had been a little evidence, it would have been hard to overcome the self-defense plea because of the evidence that we had. Right? The, the fact that he's being pursued in each of these cases that he's not just like standing his ground and firing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which in some, which in some states stand ground laws may have been justified, but he's actually trying to leave. He's actually the one being attacked vis- visibly, right? They're, they're coming at him. In which case the self-defense argument seems like a, like a shoe in, unless you really can pull out something, something obvious and something explicit that says, uh, and I'm, I'm trying to even imagine what that would take. Even if he had said something like uh, explicitly suggesting he wanted to, he was looking for an opportunity to shoot people. The fact that he's running in things, it'd it, it just be hard. Just be hard. There, there is no evidence that he was there to do anything but help. There is overwhelming evidence that he was firing from a, you know, defensively as he's fleeing and being attacked. But I don't know. Some no, ways we're getting ahead of ourselves, and and I and I don't know exactly what the the prosecution's logic was in carrying out the case, and and I'm not convinced that there was not enough evidence to bring it to trial because because I don't know. I mean that that's, the, that's one of the reasons why the system is set up the way that it is, Dan, is that there can be that disagreement in the process, mm-hmm. you know, and you can have the mm-hmm. district attorney say, you know, what, we are going to bring this to trial, but they don't decide his guilt or innocence; they just decide what yeah. to prosecute. And so I don't think, you know, whether or not there was enough evidence doesn't change the fact that I don't think it was a travesty of justice to have yes, I agree. To have I agree. Trial. I agree. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right there that that, that maybe they should have been able to see because the evidence should be before them in its entirety mm-hmm. long before they decide to have a jury trial. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. They should be looking at everything. They should have completed any investigation. They should have gathered as much information as they can. Um, and then they begin to determine whether or not they this warrants a jury trial. Um, you're, I agree with you 100% that it's not some kind of travesty that there was a jury trial. In some cases, and maybe for political reasons, things are going to be pushed to a trial, and that's not the end of the world. That's not a terrible no, thing. And, that's and, not and, some injustice in itself. Yeah, and, and there's something to be said for the fact that when a huge portion of the population thinks that he did something terribly, terribly wrong mm-hmm. for the prosec- for the district attorney to say, you know, we don't, we don't see any reason to even go to trial. 
you know, I mean, on a political level does seem kind of, kind of like political suicide. So it makes a lot of sense that they would bring it to trial almost regardless of the evidence that they have before them. Right. And the prosecutor is an elected official. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yes. So to some degree is, is odd as that sounds, unless you, you know, we don't want mob justice, but to some degree, you're right that a large group of people thinking that this is, uh, that he's clearly guilty is reason enough to have a trial. That's a good point. That's a good point. So, so, um, a few more things. Number one, I just want to say that I don't think Kyle Rittenhouse is a hero. You know, I, I don't think that, that he is, you know, this, this pinnacle of, of, of virtue. I actually don't know a lot about him personally. I've never <laughs> met Kyle. You know, I, I haven't, I didn't watch the interview that he had after. I'm not, I honestly don't, don't super care because that's not, that's really not relevant for me about what happened. I do want to talk about why he's being heroified by the right, just as he's being vilified by the left. Cause I've been thinking about it last night and today after I listened to that young Turks episode you shared with me. And I've been thinking about why this happened and I've been thinking about you know, what's been taking place over the last two years ever since, ever since George Floyd's death. And, and I was thinking about it and I was thinking about how George Floyd is now a martyr, right? George Floyd has become a martyr for the Black Lives Matter movement, which makes a lot of sense, right? He's become a symbol and it naturally makes sense that that would happen. And, and Kyle Rittenhouse, if he had been convicted, would have become a martyr for for the conservatives right you know Mm -hmm. as an example of this this travesty that he was just trying to defend himself and and is now locked up you know you can be a martyr and still be alive you know um but he he didn't you know he's not he's not the victim of a travesty he's you know not scott he didn't get off scot-free you know he still had to go through this very lengthy and grueling process but generally speaking in terms of bad things that could have happened to him, ranging from actually getting killed that night to spending the rest of his life in prison, he's doing pretty good. You know what I mean? Nothing truly bad has happened to him besides the trauma of, of, of some of these events. So now it naturally makes sense that the conservatives would want him to be a heroic figure because they need that symbol in order to wage this, this political war. And I understand that. You know, I understand George Floyd being a symbol. I understand Kyle Rittenhouse being a symbol. What's interesting is, is that, you know, on, on both sides, maybe the problem here is that, is that we can only see our side and we can't see the other side. You know, the conservatives say, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse is clearly a hero. And then they point out the fact that, you know, and they have pointed out in the fact that the fact that George Floyd, you know, wasn't a hero, you know, we'll look at, look at George Floyd's past, you know, look at the things that he's done, you know, this guy wasn't a great guy. And then you've got the people on the left who are trying to do the same thing, you know, smearing, smearing Kyle Rittenhouse's name is, you know, here's this, this person who shouldn't be a hero. And we go back and forth and back and forth. And it just seems so pointless, Dan. It is. It's, uh, it's weird. I hadn't, I hadn't given much thought to it because like you, I don't pay attention to these things so much. I don't, whether or not George Floyd was a good guy is irrelevant from whether or not he 
died unjustly, you know, whether Absolutely. or not there was something wrong. Right? Absolutely. You can, you can you can believe that he was good or bad and think that Derek Chauvin was guilty or innocent. Right? Mm-hmm. These, these mm-hmm. two don't have to go together. And likewise with Kyle Rittenhouse, you can you can believe that Kyle Rittenhouse uh did what what acted was justified in his in a self-defense argument to do what he did and not have an opinion about whether he's a good guy or a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, not not worry about whether or not his mom is the worst mom in the world, mm-hmm. as some people have put it. In is it is if that's relevant to some yeah. of these things? That is interesting that they can. That in, it seems like in order to become a symbol, they have to become virtuous. They have to become yeah, almost perfect heroic. Virtuous. Yeah, it is odd. Which which no one it. is, and 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 also that that I'm that I'm trying to trying to get to the point that. That, you know, for, for those of our listeners who are, you know, more liberal and they're seeing what's happening to Kylan, like they're, this is, they're like, this is so disgusting. He's not a hero. He's just a person. It's like, yeah, that's true. But so was George Floyd. You know, that what, what's happening here, you may disagree with, but it's actually kind of a natural process that people do where they symbolize people who represent something important to them and the things that they believe in. You know, that that natural result makes sense. You know, it makes sense that two congressmen said they wanted to hire Kyle Rittenhouse. It's not because they think he has any qualifications. It's because they want to hire someone who is now literally a symbol for, you know, the Second Amendment, which is something that conservatives strongly believe in. Right. Right. The way that uh, it's not about him at all. Yeah. The way that political causes adopt uh events like this and champion the people and the outcomes um it's a way to it's a way to try and move forward politically through the current events that are happening they claim them right they say this is this is <laughs> this is our guy and we're going to fight for him and he represents our beliefs and they imbue him with all kinds of things including as you're saying this this kind of heroism that is most of the time entirely unjustified. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's a, mm-hmm. one of my favorite lines of all time is from, uh, oh no, I forgot his name, author of Walden. And, Henry uh, David Thoreau. Thoreau. He said, uh, paraphrasing, most men live lives, lead lives of quiet desperation. <laughs> I think there's a lot of truth <laughs> to that. You, get a, you actually get into someone's mind, into their psyche, you get to know them well, and you see that most people are just getting by and everyone else can remember recently when they were just getting by you know they're they're struggling they're getting through life they're it's a life of quiet desperation um you just don't perceive mm-hmm. and that's obviously tr- that's obviously true with kyle and with with presidents and with every political figure you've ever heard of um and yet we we put them on a pedestal for some strange reason in a way that i think really hinders our ability to analyze the the events. I think to do that is to uh, is to you know, deliver over some of your reasoning power to to uh, almost religious sense of their of the cause and of their goodness and of everything associated with it. Right? You mm-hmm. you imbue it with far more than it should carry, and it makes your it certainly clouds your mind. No, and it and it goes back to that argument of uh, 
of things like poetic truths and uh, and noble lies. Yes, you know that that that's that more and more we're in a situation politically where the facts just don't matter, where it's not about what actually happened. It's about the larger significance of those things. It's about the generalizations. It's it's not about the facts, and that's it's it's so stupid so so right now Kyle Rittenhouse has been acquitted which I am happy about I think that was the right call you know looking at the evidence mm-hmm. looking mm-hmm. at what came out in the trial I think that was the right call um the Ahmed Ar- Arbery trial is currently going on you know you've got these three men who and I and I don't want to paraphrase the case because I know I'll, I'll I'll misquote what happened. But as far as I understand it, the gist of it is they thought someone was committing a crime or had committed crimes in the past. They chased him down and then killed him. And that case is about wrapping up. You know, they're in deliberations now. And I believe that they are going to be convicted of several things. And they're going to be spending a lot of time in prison. And I think that is absolutely just. And mm-hmm. even though that they used a lot of the same arguments that Kyle Rittenhouse did, and 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 we keep generalizing with these cases, and I just don't think we should. You know what I mean? We people right, right. look at the Kyle Rittenhouse case and say this is evidence for white supremacy, and I look at it and say, okay, well, we have a situation where you know a a, a white man, I mean, he was 17 at the time, but a white man came to a Black Lives Matter protest and killed, you know, two other white men. And I know the argument is that, well, he went there trying to find black people to kill and then ended up finding these white guys. And so he killed them instead, which if you look at the facts of the case, doesn't make any sense. But then you have, (laughs) then you have these, these other white men who, who kill a black person and and generalizing across either of these cases doesn't make sense because they're just two totally different cases about totally different people who are doing different things. You know what I mean? It shouldn't <laughs> you shouldn't have the same ruling for both of these cases, but the way people talk about it strongly implies that you should. That Kyle should be guilty just like they should be guilty because they're both white supremacists. And I don't believe Kyle's a white supremacist, but honestly, even if he is, it doesn't mean that he should be convicted. You know what I mean? That's not how the system works, and we don't Mm -hmm. want the system to work that way. We don't want people to be found innocent or guilty based off of the color of their skin or based off of their political beliefs or even their personal beliefs. I don't want people to be found guilty just because they're racist or because they're prejudiced in some other way. I want them to be found guilty only if they did something wrong. I think that's reasonable. Right. And and there are plenty of cases like the Ahmed Arbery case where someone clearly did something that was morally wrong and morally reprehensible, really. Mm-hmm. But that those are the particular circumstances of that case. Not all cases are the same. Yeah, that, that's a good point that in you know some ways we're we're watching the conflict between social justice versus individual justice. Yeah, because social justice is not about individuals, it's about groups. Mhm. And what's the and what's the truth about the group? Well, you can only find the truth about the group in some symbolic representation of the group because mm-hmm. the group itself doesn't have 
you know, a group doesn't have opinions and feelings and actions per se. You have the, the organizations, you have the members, right? You have a, a lot of different individuals acting differently who think different things. And so uh, you can only, the only point at which you can assign motives to a group is through some kind of symbolic representation or implied through some concerted action. And what people who are trying to apply a social justice lens to this would say, are saying Kyle Rittenhouse is guilty and these guys are guilty. Like you said, they're, but it's not because of the particular facts of the case. They don't seem to even be interested in those. Mm-hmm. Those don't seem to be necessary to prove the point. But it's a great example of, of cases where if the social justice standard was applied, as they're applying it, you would get injustice. Absolutely. In Kyle's case, but justice in the other case, mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. particular one. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I've been trying to figure out what the... Like, as soon as you try and make social justice a kind of conscious proposition, it, it looks really bad. At least, <laughs> maybe that's my own bias speaking, right? <laughs> like, what? Like, assuming you didn't know anything about the facts, a lot of people, I think people have this kind of social justice sense of what, what's right and wrong. And then they, that leads them to believe facts that simply aren't true. Um, I don't think they're actually 100% ignoring the facts. I think they've just been fed the wrong facts by the news, as we mentioned. Mm-hmm. There's there's a ton of misinformation about the details of what happened with Kyle Rittenhouse. Um, massive amounts of, of, <laughs> of falsehoods and things to the point where other newspapers around the world reading our news stories and then writing their own articles were claiming that the people Kyle Rittenhouse shot were black, right? Because that mm-hmm. was, that was mm-hmm. so heavily implied and never clarified in mm-hmm. the, in the American newspapers and, mm-hmm. and publishing. Um, yeah, it's the, uh, as you were saying, the, the Ahmed Arbery cl- case, they're claiming self-defense and it's not going to work. And doesn't, and, doesn't uh, seem like and the right to a citizen's arrest. And the right to a citizen arrest. Yeah. People mm-hmm. have accused Kyle Rittenhouse of vigilantism. Mm-hmm. Self-defense is not vigilantism. He, there was nobody there he was trying to arrest for a crime. There was no nothing that he was trying to do. Like that term is just so inaccurate in this case. Um, and what, well, what's interesting about this case is that one thing that's that's happened because of this case is that is that people are equating self defense with a form of vigilantism, right. which is worth discussing because it's yes. really not. And, and the reason is because really, I mean, when vigilantism comes down to it. What vigilantism means is that you are assuming the role of the police, right? You're doing something the police would do, like go out and stop bad guys, you know, arrest criminals, you know, uh, you know, enact justice, as it were, on your own as a regular citizen. Well, the police don't actually defend us. And so when we defend ourselves, we are not assuming the role of the police. You know, if if Kyle Rittenhouse showed up after he was dead and took pictures of his own body and and then started investigating who killed him, then I'd say that he's assuming the role of the police because that's what the police do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Uh, <laughs> two things here. You're not controversial, but probably sounds controversial claim that the police don't protect us. Um, setting that aside for a moment, the vigilante term. Um, 
Yes, broadly speaking, a vigilante is someone who, who takes upon themselves the role of the police in some sense. But if you were to look at, I think there's a more specific meaning to it that suggests that you're not just catching people, which has actually always been something that ordinary people can do mm -hmm. within certain limitations, but that you are punishing people for breaking the law. Mm -hmm. That you are... Yeah, that's the, normally how it's used. Yes, and Kyle Rittenhouse was doing none of those things, right? He wasn't looking for people breaking the law. He wasn't trying to stop them. He was trying to protect a place and property. But is that... To, to, to equate that with vigilantism, I think, is a, is a big step. But, um, but if, if that's the word you want to use, I guess it doesn't really matter that much because it's not a legal crime. <laughs> it's not a, right? <laughs> if, if by vigilante you're implying some criminal act, then no. But I, I, you know, the more I think about the word, the more I think it, it bothers me because there's obviously a derogatory use going on. Mm -hmm. um, but no, if it's, it's, in some ways, it's too vague to really critique. And, and I think people would hear what we're saying right now and they'd say, okay, well, it's not just about the self-defense as it happened. It's about the reason he was there in Kenosha. He was there as a vigilante who was trying to enforce the law even though he wasn't a police officer. Yes, yes. They'd say the and, police are supposed to do that, yeah. And, and the answer is simple is that, yes, he's a vigilante much in the same way that a security guard is a vigilante, right? Because the mm -hmm. purpose of a security guard is at a retail store is to stop people from stealing, right? And stealing is a crime. And so you could argue that a security guard is in many ways a vigilante, right? He's doing what the police are doing, but he's not with the police. And people and, and people make these start splitting hairs really fine here because they say, okay, well, the security guard is fine because the store hired him, right? So any of these guys who showed up, you know, whether they be you know, part of the Proud Boys or, or some other group of, of armed civilians, as long as the company hired them to be there, then it's perfectly fine for them to be there. But if they just so happen to to be there to protect private property or even to, to put out fires and anything like that, and they aren't hired by a business, then all of a sudden it's, it's deeply, deeply wrong. And... Um, <laughs> yeah, and the and obvious just, question is why is that a moral line? Yeah, it's such a weird moral line, and you know, you know, especially coming from people who think that capitalism and businesses are evil in general, <laughs> it does seem like an odd distinction to make. But yeah, yeah, why would you? Why? And, what is and, the moral? And the distinction? answer, I think, is that is that yes, it is some form of of very general vigilantism, right? That you are trying mm -hmm. to to protect businesses. Which, which theoretically is the role of the police, right? But, but when you're doing it in, in a way where you're not using violence, like it's not like this case would be so different if, if Kyle, and I think I said this before when we talked about it before, that if Kyle was using deadly force to protect businesses, this case would look very different. But mm -hmm. that's not what was happening. You know, you look at what happened that night before all of this happened. And there was, there was no use of deadly force to protect businesses. There was nothing like that that people keep talking about. Like, that's what happened. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. You have mm -hmm. a 17-year-old kid who is armed, who goes to this, to, to this area, at, at one point, you know, is in front of a business trying to protect it. At other points, is going to try and put out fires, is offering first aid. And that image of him standing there trying to shoot people for approaching a business is just inaccurate. 
That's yeah. not what happened. Yeah, in one of the one of the most interesting lines of thinking here is that, and I I keep seeing this one come up. People will say something like, "It if the the reason they they point that out is important is because if Kyle Rittenhouse were shooting someone because he was protecting a business, people would say the property is not worth someone's life." Mm-hmm. They would say the implication being you are never justified in using deadly force to defend property, right? Because the person's life is invaluable. The property is, it may be valuable, but it's certainly not invaluable. It's certainly, you know, these are, these is of an entirely different kind and thus deadly force is not justified. And then they make a kind of similar argument when they're looking at, uh, or a related argument when they're looking at what happened here and the Okao Rittenhouse was being attacked by Rosenbaum, who has no weapon. And he responds with deadly force. Right? He, he says, your life it's is... a disproportionate response. Right, disproportionate response is how you think of this. Um, the person who attacks him with the skateboard, right? That, that Does that justify it? Is getting hit with a skateboard justify getting shot? None of these, each of these three cases, whether it's defending property, whether it's uh, defending an attack with some of some kind or someone just trying to grab you or chase you, None of these are grappling with, with the, with the real questions related to self-defense. All of these are, are, are horrible misunderstandings of what's at stake and how and where the moral lines are. Mm-hmm. Um, and the property one in particular, all of these are worth discussing, but the property one, um, because it's kind of of a different kind. And because it's related to people who think, as you were saying, that corporations are inherently evil, some kind of the businesses by nature are exploiting people and, and property ought to be something held in common, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're on the, they're, to them, it's already moral essentially for someone to go steal from a, a large corporation at least, and maybe mm-hmm. even, even from other people. Um, the reason that that is, and we, we talk about this a little bit in our Kenosha episode, uh, episode 12. Um, when we were talking about this case for the first time, the reason that property has to be defended with your life is the, is the same reason that virtually every law has to be enforced at the threat of debt, death. Let me, so let me turn it around for just a second and put it this way. You could say that the police should never shoot someone for a petty crime and say that, look, you can, it's never acceptable for the police to use deadly force against another person who isn't uh, like murdering people or something. You could draw a line somewhere. And so the police go to collect taxes and the person says, no, I'm not going to pay your taxes. And the the police say, okay, well, we're going to fine you, right? We're going to take the money from you. Uh, this is obviously not how taxes work, but it once did. <laughs> there was a tax collector who would go around and he'd collect tax, right? Like we so all the, know this story when the police officer knocks on our door, <laughs> knocks to on your door and asks you for tax. <laughs> this has never happened in your lifetime, but once. Uh, so then you say, no, I'm, I'm not going to let you steal the money, right? And you, you prevent them from coming into the house to take the money. Well, they forcibly come into the house. And each step, it's going to escalate a little bit until eventually, if you're going to refuse 
to cooperate with the police, you're going to have to defend yourself with deadly violence. You're going to have to, uh, eventually you're going to pull out a gun. And if you say, well, the police can't kill you, if you make a hard line, the police can't kill you over taxes, or they can't kill you over a driving ticket, or they can't kill you over you just not complying with them on some arbitrary order, right? It, any one of these, if you say they can't kill you, and you make that a hard line, then all I have to do to get out of everything is threaten deadly force in response, right? All I have to do is escalate it to this point, and if you say the police can't go there, then I win. Right? I can get out of taxes. Well, I can and, get and, out of taxes if and, you say and, the police and can't the kill way me you're, taxes. And the way you're wording this is, is weird. It's throwing me for a loop. Saying <laughs> that, that the Word police, it better, please. <laughs> the police can't kill you for a petty crime because the reality is obviously they can't kill you for a petty crime, but but what we're talking about is them not killing you for a petty crime. What they're talking about is, is, is I mean, in, in an ideal scenario, we're not, I don't want to bring up mm -hmm. any specific examples because there are plenty of times when police have killed people when they shouldn't have. That's not what we're talking about. Yes. We're saying the police do have a, a legitimate right to, <laughs> and here it comes, self-defense. And that's, and that's really what you're talking about is they have a right to self-defense combined with a right to enforce the law. And that's, that's what you see in a traffic stop, because if the police pull you over, and this, this, this kind of thing happens not all the time, but occasionally, especially when you have, you know, certain hardened criminals who are engaged in, in something serious, and the police happen to pull them over, sometimes those people will come out shooting, right? There won't even be a conversation. The police pull them over, and next thing you know, those people are shooting at the cops. The police have a right to shoot back at them, even if they were just pulling them over to let them know that their license plate was expired. You know what I mean? The reason they pulled them over at that point is no longer relevant. All that's relevant is what's going on in that situation, right? right. You know, and, and, and a great example of this is the, the George Floyd case, that the problem with the George Floyd case is not the reason that the police were called. The reason that the police were called doesn't matter. All that matters is how George Floyd and the police interacted with each other. If George Floyd had pulled out a gun and started shooting at the police, he wouldn't, and then was, and then was killed, people wouldn't say, oh, you know, he's a martyr, he's a hero, because the police killed him and there was no reason to do that because he was just, you know, it was just a call about counterfeit bills. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. not the reason that he's a martyr. The reason he's a martyr is because he didn't attack the police. He didn't pose an imminent, an imminent threat, and yet he was killed. That was the problem. And that's, right. I think, what you're trying to, trying to it, say, right? It, it is. Uh, I, would say, I would say they have an obligation to enforce the law, not a right, mm -hmm. to, uh, a right to enforce the law, but also no, an that's obligation. No, right? too, yeah. Right. Because you. they, no, and I'm glad you're pushing back on this a little bit, because I, I, I'm trying to find the right way to frame this. Um, if you, because you could say the police could just withdraw, right? They're, they are the provokers in this mm -hmm. circumstance, well, and, right? And, and, Dan, and Dan, just as a side note, that is one of the reasons why I believe we need to look at the laws that the police enforce very carefully, that we don't want to yes. have frivolous laws because anytime you're enforcing the law, there is this possibility of escalation. Yes, yes. And the possibility of escalation, that the reality of a law being enforced requires that the police be willing to do everything necessary to enforce it, even when necessary, killing someone. 
And if, if you're going to pick a law, as you were saying, this is why, why, as you said, this is why you need to very, very carefully consider the laws because it's not like it's just a fine. It's an enforced fine, right? It's, it's a fine that, that they're going to be obligated at the threat of violence, which, which if they resist could escalate up to their death, right? Mm -hmm. If they do not walk this. And if you remove that, if you remove that, if you say property isn't worth dying over, isn't worth killing someone, right? Then from the other person's perspective, they could escalate it and then just get what they want, right? If, if you say, I should never shoot you because you're taking my property under any circumstances, then all you have to do is put me in a position where the only way to stop you is to shoot you and you can get away with just stealing, right? By, by arguing this way, by saying you shouldn't be able to use deadly force to stop someone from doing something petty like theft, um, theft doesn't, isn't always petty. Often you're stealing their livelihood, their very lives in some cases. Um, and then you are creating, in a sense, a, a backdoor that allows criminals to behave in certain ways, that allows people to break the rules repeatedly with no consequences. If, if it's never okay, this is one of the things that's interesting in, in like security, psychologically, in, in security at, at stores and things. If you say, uh, you, you'll see videos of like of police officers, not police officers, like mall cops, <laughs> you know, mm. grocery store security, watching people steal things because for a variety of reasons. In some cases, it's because it's not worth the lawsuit and the things that they have to do. And if they actually used violence to stop them, right? Their presence mm. there is just for show. They're not actually allowed to use violence to stop anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, in California, this happens all the time. Yeah, especially with and, that recent law change in San Francisco. Yes, about prosecuting crimes under a certain amount of money. Mm-hmm. And yes, uh, California is doing all kinds of things too. Because now the now the the you know the mall cop can't even call the police because the police won't come for a petty crime like that. Yeah, it's They've it's been a, further further neutered. It's a ridiculous circumstance in where they looked at something little and they said, "Look, we shouldn't respond with violence to this." Um, the result is they're going to have it all over the place, and they do. Uh, but anyway, back to the Kyle Rittenhouse case. So you have you have, uh, and I just want to ha- clarify that that when you talk police. about being able to use to use deadly force, just like with the police, when regular citizens use deadly force, there are there are relatively strict requirements <laughs> on on it being reasonable, you know what I mean? And and that's something that that needs to be considered. You know, in in the Cal Rittenhouse case, people keep talking about the plastic bag that Rosenbaum yes. threw at Cal Rittenhouse. And what they make it sound like was that one man threw a plastic bag at another man, the other man shot him, and that's just fine. And that's not what happened. You have to look at all of the facts, and you have to look at the fact that Rosenbaum was chasing Kyle for a while. First of all, when you're chasing someone with a gun, there's a strong implication. I mean, if you're both unarmed and you're chasing someone, you know, in some kind of, you know, you know, at night, there's riots going on and you're chasing someone, already there's an implication of violence, right? There's an implication Mm -hmm. of threat that you are going to do something to that person when you catch up to them. But then you combine the fact with that person has a gun and and there's an implication that you might be trying to take that gun away from them and therefore use that gun on them, it makes it even more... 
the the imminent threat becomes larger. And the fact that Rosenbaum actually does lunge and try and take Kyle's gun after chasing him, that was why the self-defense was justified. It didn't have anything to do with the plastic bag, really. No, it didn't. People try and pretend it did. It didn't have anything to do with that. And and the reason is because at that point, if Rosenbaum gets to Kyle Rittenhouse and grabs him, Kyle Rittenhouse may not be able to bring the gun to bear, right? At Mm -hmm. that that point, it may be too late. A line has been crossed in which uh, Kyle Rittenhouse may not be able to defend himself after that point because he'd be in, in Rosenbaum's power. Um, I don't know actually if Rosemont's stronger or any of these things, but that but that actually isn't an important part of this anyway. This is the same with the police. If you go to tackle a police officer, you're at least threatening, and by threatening I don't mean uh, verbally or even mentally thinking about it, but you're at least, uh, they have to view it as a serious threat that you are going to take their gun and use it on them. Mm-hmm. Right? You, that you are, that once under your power, that you could then do all kinds of things and the opportunity for self-defense is gone. And so self-defense is not about the, not about the immediate threat. If the immediate threat of being grabbed is a small thing, but not if there's a gun in play and not if they're in, you're in circumstances where you're alone, right? And this person could, could beat you up. Like you don't have to wait until after you're grabbed to try and use your gun. That mm-hmm. would eliminate the entire point, right? That would eliminate. That would be your most effective defense gone. And and you can imagine this case where, with slightly different facts, where uh, a young woman is being grabbed by a a man, right? And and she has a weapon. She certainly shouldn't wait until he's grabbed her arm before she... Or taken the weapon away before she does anything. Or gone for the weapon. Yes, Mm -hmm. right? And and he, Kyle Rittenhouse, did what he was supposed to do, which is try and get out of there. Try not to do this. Like, I don't want to use this gun. I'm going to run. Um, And then when he heard a gunshot, he turns, and then he's lunged at. And at that point, you defend yourself with the gun, or you probably don't get to defend yourself with the gun. Mm-hmm. 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 It's not about, yeah, in, in the case with the person hitting him with a skateboard, that could have knocked him unconscious. Who knows how hard that guy's swinging it? Who knows? You know, the, the People see this as a power imbalance, right? The skateboard is much weaker than the... Uh, then the gun, mm-hmm. therefore, the person with the gun has some kind of moral obligation to be careful. You know, you don't escalate a fist fight into a knife fight or a gun fight. Um, but a fist fight can kill you, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In terms of self-defense, uh, if you are, uh, it's kind of funny. Bar fights are almost like an exception to this because there's like an etiquette. Well, because a bar <laughs> fight is... <laughs> is to put it frankly a mutual exchange uh-huh. you know what that's I mean? the when way you get they in, rule it when you get into a bar fight it's it was it's by choice you know because you're picking a fight with someone and they're engaging with you that's not what happened here mm-hmm. what happened mm-hmm. is kyle is getting chased down by a group of individuals who as far as kyle knows are there to kill him there's no reason for him to think otherwise because you know because you know looking at the facts you know if you look at what happened you have these people who think kyle just killed someone which he had and now they're seeking mob justice you know what i mean these people aren't saying hey let's turn this guy into the cops no they're saying let's get him you know let's beat him over the head with a skateboard let's grab the gun from him let's kick him in the face you know those those are not a. Those are, are, are not 
nonviolent actions. Yeah, we've we've talked about this a little bit, just the two of us, about what what I I'm I'm still surprised. I, I it makes more sense now as I've thought about it, but I'm surprised at the the audacity of the people chasing to chase somebody with a gun. Mm-hmm. Right, to to pursue them. And uh and and as you said it they've to some degree as a as someone who is engaged in the protest and pushing against the system, you've already got in your mind that you've got to take justice into your own hands. And mm-hmm. to at least to some degree, you are you are the solution to the problem. And as far as the rioters go, you know, people who are actually you know breaking things or or burning things, you have made the other step and you said, No, I'm gonna deliver justice. Yeah. Yes. At yes. that point. And so they're they're pursuing him and they're determined to capture him and like you said, likely to administer some kind of justice themselves. But Kyle doesn't have to gamble on the on the possibility that they're just going to beat him badly, right? He doesn't have to accept any kind of beating mm-hmm. if he's done nothing wrong and he hadn't up to that point. There was no no crime committed. And he doesn't have to risk the fact that maybe they'll spare him or, you know, hope that they won't hurt him too badly he can just defend himself and that's what he chose to do you know and it's it's interesting because there there seems to be so much double speak when it comes when it comes to this whole conversation and sorry talking is hard i don't know if you knew that but saying Mm -hmm. words is difficult and i've given up on the whole proposition but anyways i'm gonna try anyways and yes, I mean the whole proposition is speaking, not not the <laughs> podcast, not presenting, just, just speaking talking in general. In general. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done with it. I'm just <laughs> going to learn sign language and communicate with people that way from now on. <laughs> I like it. Anyways, the 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 amount of double speak. You know, people talk about the fact that the reason he's he's guilty is because he he brought a a gun to this dangerous situation, but mm-hmm. no one talks about the fact that Gage, you know, gross kraut. kraut I'm so bad with names. The the third the third individual that he shot who shot in the arm who survived who was shot in the arm brought a gun brought a loaded chambered gun to this this protest as well but he's not implicitly guilty you know you've got you've got the argument that you know and I and I know the argument that 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 the, the response to what we're saying here the response is well what about Joseph Rosenbaum because at any point Kyle could kill him how can Joseph Rosenbaum let that stand you know what I mean because the argument is is that Kyle can't give up his weapon to Rosenbaum because then Rosenbaum can kill him with his weapon right but at any point Kyle can kill Rosenbaum with his weapon and that is not really an argument against Kyle Rittenhouse. That's an argument against weapons. You know what I mean? Against mm-hmm. the right to bear arms. The argument really that you're making here is that no one should be allowed to carry firearms. And that is a discussion that we can totally have. You know what I mean? That's, but mm-hmm. it is a different discussion. And, and, and maybe it's worth looking at at some point. But the fact of the matter is, is that it doesn't just work with guns. It works with anything. A, a great example of this is uh, is knives. You know, if if you have a knife and the other person doesn't have a knife, the situation becomes the same. That if they try and take that knife from you after chasing you, it actually looks very, very similar. 
and you using that knife to stop them from taking the knife from you is not unreasonable. Just like you using a gun to defend yourself is not unreasonable. There's this, there's so much stigma associated with firearms because they are so powerful. But the gist of the, of the right to self-defense doesn't change just because you have a firearm. And the same thing goes with police shootings. Ever since George Floyd, any time a police shooting happened, there would be riots and protests, even though often those police shootings were justified. <laughs> I remember there was an altercation where, where there was someone who was on a driveway. You know, the police were called because there, there was a threat perceived. And this person was holding a knife, wasn't armed with a gun, just with a knife. And the police show up. They're trying to de-escalate the situation. And he charges at the police officers holding out his knife. So it wasn't just on him. He pulled it out, was was brandishing it, waving it around, and then charged at the police officers. And the officers shot him. And, you know, people say, okay, well, clearly he was having some kind of, you know, mental health crisis. Otherwise, why would, you know, anyone charge at the police with a knife? That's not something a normal sane person would do and so you look at the situation and say this is a horrible situation and it's terrible that he died but it doesn't change the fact that the police were justified in what they did because if he had gotten to them just because they had guns and he had a knife doesn't change the fact that two seconds later one of those police officers could be dead on the ground yeah just like with kyle rittenhouse it doesn't matter that it's a skateboard versus a knife i mean versus a gun doesn't change the fact that a couple seconds later kyle rittenhouse could have been bleeding out on the ground right you know what i mean and and we keep forgetting that that fact and 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 making it all about these symbols you know guns are another symbol of violence while a skateboard and even a knife is not and we're focusing on these symbols instead of focusing on the facts of the case it's I keep wondering if if part of the the problem with discussing this case is just a not not only a lack of understanding around guns and how they function um or around the ideas of of self-defense but the actual way violence plays out in general like like a single punch can knock you out a single hit of something can knock you out obviously movies make this look ridiculously easy Mm-hmm. But <laughs> where the slightest nudge will drop someone or but, not easy or, you know, you, Hey, we can beat yes, up yes, on a person, yes. kick him in, kick him in the side, kick him in the head for a minute or two. And then he'll be just fine. He'll, and he'll get up and walk away. Right. Yeah, right. When, when often people die from that on a regular basis. Yes. Yes. Where someone gets you on the ground, they start to, those, those hits are hitting hard. They're often cracking ribs and things. And often the wounds, the internal bleeding and things they cause is often fatal. You're hitting someone in the head while they're on the ground. It's extraordinarily dangerous. And it doesn't take long. Um, yeah, it, people just have a bad idea of how quickly uh, permanent harm happens and can happen even in fistfights. Uh, if you watch, watch professional fighting, um, the ref is right, especially the, the more things where they're not using gloves or where they're using uh, the really light gloves. Mm-hmm. Um, things like yeah, ultimate like fighting. Uf, yeah, UFC, mm-hmm. they have to be very, very careful. Because there are so many ways that you can kill someone just with your bare hands. Yes, yes. There's a variety Even of things that they can't be allowed to do because it would inflict permanent harm immediately, right? Single hit. And then there are a variety of things where as soon as one hit, you know, where the person can't defend themselves, they have to stop the fight and they have to stop it as fast as possible. Because when they're not defending themselves, the, the hits are going to do far more, right? They're mm-hmm. doing, they're doing a lot of things to mitigate the damage to their body 
all the time. And as soon as they stop doing that, some of those hits, you know, you can fracture, fracture all kinds of things. And these are people who do a lot to toughen up their bodies, you know, and do mm-hmm. a lot to, to strengthen themselves. Um, yeah, it, it plays out so quickly and you don't have to allow any of it to happen. You don't have to say, because I have a gun and he doesn't, I have to put my gun down. This is not, as you said, this is not a willing duel between, <laughs> you know, some between voluntary people. Um, I don't have to accept any degree of violence against me and neither did Kyle. He didn't have to. He doesn't, the fact that he has a gun does not, does not somehow obligate him to, uh, to try and <laughs> to put it down and fight with his fists, in which case he's going to be probably overwhelmed by these people, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just, there are just so many points here along the way where I'm not sure what, what they're seeing that I'm not. Obviously, there's a variety of false facts that are common. Obviously, there's a variety of, of, of stigmas about guns that and, I disagree with. And I think with. so much of it comes down to the ideological circumstances of what was taking place. That I think if you took mm-hmm. these same events and... You po- pulled them out of the context and... Pulled them out of the context, you know, and yeah. it, it would it would change all of a sudden. I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. I've that got if, a hope that, if, that you're right at least. If there yeah. wasn't rioting and instead what happened was one guy was pursuing another armed guy and tried to and tried to attack yeah, him yeah. even though he was unarmed and then after that two other guys pursued him even further started trying to beat him up and then he defended himself like if you'd look take all the, the exact yeah. same things you know don't change their races don't change their genders just leave it as is mm-hmm. but take away the political orientation take away the the the, the symbolism of the protests and this case never would have had even national attention. It would have just been, it would have just been a tragedy that, that happened. You know what I mean? And that's Yes. It. No, you're right. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse committed a crime against the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. That was his crime. Yeah. And the, and, and it was, it was a political crime in some ways. It was, it was against a cause rather than against. Uh, the legal code or something that it was interpreted within that context. And that, that then led everyone to look certain ways on the other facts of the story. That makes, that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, anything else we want to wrap up? Yeah. I just, I just want to just clarify again that that these generalizations are not helping anyone (coughs) that this, this case is not, setting precedent about the future that you know it it may change people's minds about self-defense laws it may change people's minds about uh you know about gun laws in general and Mm -hmm. that's just fine but in terms of this case this is just one specific case in in, regarding a specific incident that happened and Mm -hmm. that's all there is to it everything else that people are talking about you know whether it's you know the young turks or ben shapiro or anyone else is just using the symbol of what happened, you know, to to win a political game. And and that that has really nothing to do with this actual case. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just just remember that. That's all. Right, right. Some laws will change perhaps as a result of this and be looked at closer, but that's but yes, the jury's decision does not actually affect anything but this case. With that, thank you for listening. This has been an episode of Rethinking Politics. You can find us on all of the major podcasting apps or on YouTube. 
You can reach out to us at rethinkingpoliticspodcast at gmail.com or you can visit our website at rethinkingpolitics.podbean.com where you can support us via Patreon. Thanks and have a wonderful day.